0: We are back, Bailey and Harper. We're here. We're back, and I, we had to jump into it because we were diving into a conversation that just needs to be recorded uh, for the masses. Roman Harper, what's up, buddy?
1: What's up, man? How you doing, Kyle? Sorry, man. We've been gone. Uh, you've been a lot more busy than I have lately.
0: Yeah, it's all bit. good
1: though, man. You know, you're calling Hornet stuff, man. This is my time to relax, though. This is. Like, when you come over here, you're like, dude. I let my hair down. You're good. The fence is coming along great. Thanks, bro. I drive him now. We're back. Sydney's back in school driving by the house looks great now my only question with the fence hmm. is are you going to do the back half of it Cause oh yeah only because people can't see it from the road so you really can't that, tell that's
0: uh next weekend nice next weekend draft weekend actually Wish and then we i saw you putting
1: about. something right outside your fence too like what? what is a little huh or it was it was another car park kind of not too uh not too oh, so far I mean, think
0: we got all kinds of stuff going on over there
1: yeah all kinds
0: of stuff uh, it's uh being that a could be the church's property, though. So yeah, maybe it, I, being a homeowner is hard enough because there's always something you got to deal or deal with or handle or fix or whatever the case yes. may be. But uh, it's even harder when you make the conscious decision to buy a uh, fixer upper and and renovate a house, which is what we've done over the last three years. And uh, it's you, you got to want to do it. That's for sure. And, and it's taken a lot of my free time, but it's rewarding, man. I, I love it. And. uh, I'm glad you get to see my work every day as you go back and forth to take the kid to school. I do, man. Uh, every
1: day we're coming back from dropping <laughs> Sydney off, dropping Roman off next. Uh, yeah, I, I check
0: out my, like, see how Kyle's progress is going yeah, on. Yeah, my, my wife fell in love. So people, like some people know, but like my wife fell in love with this house. Uh, we've been there, what, like three, uh, three and a half years ago almost, she fell in love with this house. Uh, she's a, a DIYer, right? She's handy. She's uh, very oriented in that way. And I like to do that kind of stuff too. And, and she was house shopping or, you know, looking for houses, which is not an easy thing to do around here in Charlotte, because like no. every other major city in America, there's it was house- easier three years ago, well, right? There was a house- housing shortage. Then it's even worse now. Yep. And she found one and she was like, Hey, it needs a lot of work, but uh, the location's awesome. And I really want to do it. And I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. So we put the first offer in uh, miraculously. We saw it first put in the offer first, and they accepted it right away. And there were like 15 people lined up behind us to get it, and so uh, we got it, and it's been a pain in my fucking ass uh, (laughs) for a long time. I had 12 straight months of poison ivy. I was itching like a son of a bitch for a straight year with all the landscaping and pulling down ceilings and putting up ceilings and knocking down walls. and I mean, it's just been uh, one thing after the other, man, but I – it's cool like it's it's nice to have a house like that you know to just experiment on and yeah because I mean it's a 75 year old house we bought it because it still had good bones but it was ugly as shit when we bought it (laughs) and I mean it was a horrible looking property but pretty proud of it I'm pretty proud of the work so uh, I
1: remember the the whole when we were talking uh, it was starting off with just a driveway you were you were dredging or what was the correct term uh, you, uh, you were, like, doing something with your car. Oh,
0: oh, I was trenching. Trenching. I, so I, so that the story goes <laughs> that, like, yeah, when I, when I made this thing was ugly, it was ugly. Like, I had a vision for it. My wife had a vision for the inside. I had a vision for the outside. And, you know, she, that's kind of how it's gone. So I was like, look, I want to get a new driveway here. I'm going to build a new privacy fence. We're going to paint it this color. I want to get a wraparound patio on the back. And we've done all those things. But it was a hideous fucking house when we bought it. And, you know, so she – one day that driveway was awful. Right, the concrete was cracked, uh, you know, we just it was a horrible driveway. And I got tired of stepping out in the mud because they made this driveway 75 years ago whenever the hell they did it, probably not that long ago. But back when you know cars weren't as big, you didn't need as much space. And so when we stepped out of the car, we stepped in the mud. And one day, to your point, I got so sick and fucking tired of stepping out into the mud you know, and, and waiting on getting this new driveway done. I walked out with a shovel, and I just dug a 40-foot trench along the side of the driveway. It took me seven and a half hours to dig this trench because I was going to build my own retaining wall. I was tired of looking at it. And so I built the trench, nearly broke my back, and then like four months later, I still hadn't built the damn wall because I was too busy. And I ended up having to get a contractor to come in and grade it out when I put the new thing in. But it's, it's been cool, man. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, man, it's coming along good. Um, I would not have um – did it myself i no, do know uh, that i'm not handy I at all. i don't
0: regret it's, it but i can tell you when i do the next one i'm not gonna do as much work myself
1: no i don't blame you and you know i know it's bad on me because i was with one of my homeboys earlier one of my college uh, teammates he's like dude is that a workbench in your garage and i'm like oh yeah but like <laughs> yeah i don't do nothing with it he's, well, like, he's like he's like man why you have i'm like look man i'm being honest like we have some things in there but i'm no i don't use much of it. and i mostly use it for the plug outlets on the side of...
0: It's great for the plug outlets. Oh, yeah. No, you got a great workbench down there. Yeah. Like, that's when... when that, the <laughs> next one we move into, like, yeah. I've already told Camille, like, I got plans for my next stuff. Here. Yeah. And so, like, I, I like it. You know, I, I do, and I like doing that kind of stuff. And I'm generally... Like, I've got an aptitude for it to an extent. Um, like, the guys at the radio station at FNZ joke that, like, I'm the, the, the lumberjack, the, you know, the handyman around the station, which I guess relative to a lot of those guys is probably true, but, like, I just know the basics... Hacksaw gr- probably is not good, nah, even I though don't his name so. is Hacksaw. Like, I know how to use tools. I know how things generally work. And if I don't, I can watch a YouTube video and kind of figure it out. Right. You know, so like that's. And so I, are you, are you, now,
1: I don't want to cut you off, Kyle, but you going to talk about the other work that you were doing in the garage earlier? What work?
0: We don't have to talk about that work, <laughs> man. Damn, Dude. You're going to hurt my ego twice today? I'm
1: not. I'm just saying. I didn't even watch the damn video yet. I should probably (laughs) watch the video. Are you going to do some of this work? Okay, so I hear I'm drawing pictures. I'm ashamed of myself right now. So, Kyle Bailey texted me this morning. All right, bro, I'll see you at 2.30. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll see you then, Kyle. (laughs) And, of course, Kyle, you know, he shows up around his normal time. Yeah, well, yeah, a little late. All right, it's all right. It's no big deal. It's not like
0: I've ever got anything going on. So I am looking to the right every but, single time I rep this thing, aren't I? Yes, every single time. Every single time I've got this. I, every time I'm pushing up, I'm looking to the right. I don't know why. I don't know why
1: either. All right, so, so Kyle, on this text this morning, he says, this, I'm like, okay, Kyle, I'll see you then. He's like, oh, and have 225 on the bar. I'm ready to push, like you're ready to bench press <laughs> 225 on the bar in my gym, in my, in my, in my garage. I'm Knowing like,
0: that I haven't done this in two years.
1: Well, I didn't know that he hadn't done it in two years, but I was just like, okay, Kyle wants to hit the weights. I got it. Let my boy get the weights. Uh, so I got 135 on the bar, waiting on you when you come here, because yeah, at least we're did. gonna do a subtle warm up. So we do 135, then we jump jump up to 185. Yep. Put some 25s on. Yep. And you're over here like, oh, you know, maybe I should just kind of like, um, what'd you say? Just you want to kinda, reps, just go one reps. Yeah, one at the reps time. the whole just time. Just figure out
0: how much I can push.
1: I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Just Let's go ahead and start bumping up weight though. There's no reason to just waste reps. <laughs> Kyle's over here like, "Oh, we want maybe put a 10 on." No, Kyle. No. We're fucking going. We're going for it. <laughs> we're going, we're but then going. Then I got cocky. You did. That's well, you got so stays. 225 was a breeze. Kyle, you you threw it up four, five, six times. It was great. All right? Didn't I, I look can at hard. Least
0: take solace in that.
1: But also as your partner here, <laughs> I was not paying attention to the subtle signs of you're saying, man, that look, that felt terrible. I was
0: telling you the whole time. The whole
1: time. That felt terrible. You're like, that felt terrible. Oh, what? Check, check what the was, computer.
0: What we got? Oh, no, we're good. We're fine. It's recording.
1: Oh, okay, okay. And it was just saying that um, you were saying how, all right, well, that feels terrible.
0: I'm like, yeah, it, Kyle, but you, it looked
1: good. I'm like, so we'll keep going. I appreciate it. So then we go from 225. You're like, ah, oh, no, I think
0: I want to keep going. Right. And then I was – that. that's when I said – I think I might be able to push 300.
1: You having did not say t- that.
0: Having not, pu- having not yeah. touched a bar in two years, I said to myself, I, I you, think I want to try and do 300. 300- I bet you can still bench press 300 pounds at least. So, it, you, get, you got at least get, man, come on.
1: So then I, in my mind, were like, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to
0: do that then, today, Kyle. Then 275 Kyle. ought to be automatic then.
1: Right, if right, I, in if, my mind. If, if, so then you're saying, you're thinking 300. In my mind, I'm like, okay, well, let's... Let's start them off at 275. we we'll just get to the punchline here. So then you say, all right, well, let's put some 10s on. Maybe I want to get there with, like, you know, 255. I'm like, no, <laughs> hell no, Kyle. You're going. We're going. So you let's put 275 it. on. I warmed it up for you. I got it once. Yeah, I just did it once. So then we're just doing one rep right. then, And then and Kyle. you got it
0: smooth. Yeah, I mean, I got it. Yeah, all right, you
1: that's mean. not important. It's more important about how it. you, so Kyle, boom, gets on the chest. Okay, you. not only that, but you lifted it off nice and easy, Kyle.
0: Oh, yeah, that wasn't a problem.
1: Which is, I you, mean, most of the time, if you can lift it off, you can get the weight. You'd
0: put a block on my chest. I'd have got it up. Yeah, yeah it's true, too. <laughs> But instead, it came about six inches off my chest and didn't go any further It was like, back. uh, then I had to and stop And I it. even went wide grip to make sure I got it, and I still didn't. Put, Roman, I'm ashamed. Now, I did tell you when I walked in that if I couldn't at least get 225 five times, I, I'd failed as a man. I it's did true. get that, and I, I can live with that. So I still have the baseline that I need. But damn it, man. You just don't realize it. You, you should have just take. You should have just taken your double. I know, Instead, you tried to go for a triple. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk. about It got this. thrown out by a mile. That's what's happened. Stop! I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> so t- you had a question for me about the NFL draft. All right. Yes.
1: So I, I was talking to you earlier. You know, me and Kyle, we always have our pre-podcast uh, talks and our conversation, We're Like, dude, we just need to hit record and just talk. Talk. All right. Exactly. Just let's go. So. I was asking about your temperature or your level of excitement going into the NFL draft. Who are you excited about? Give me some things. Like, how are you just feeling about it? It's getting closer. And your response made me laugh. And what was your response to that,
0: Kyle? What have I learned about the draft? Yes. I've learned that we we talk way too fucking much about the draft. And I say that as somebody who does it for a living. And as somebody who likes the NFL, likes the draft a lot. I like talking about the draft. But we beat it into the ground. And the Man. draft tar- starts. Beat the, beat the same subjects into the ground. Over and over again. And I'm guilty of it. I am. I'm guilty of it. Um, and part of it is that I, I, I'm just someone. Like, I'm not an NFL draft analyst, specialist. I, somebody asked me today on the text line on the show. They were like, you know, KB, if the, if the Panthers don't take a, a tackle at eight. And maybe they, uh, they, they take a couple other positional needs. What do you think about this kid from BYU in the fourth round? And I just stared at the text, and I was tempted to text him back and be like, dude, I don't have any idea. Who is the kid from BYU? On the rare occasion I watched BYU play this year, for any length of time, I was watching Zach Wilson. You know, and so a a lot of the BYU games conflicted with other bigger games that I cared more about, that our listeners cared more about. So, like a lot of the Zach Wilson that I saw, I watched him against Coastal Carolina, I watched him in the the bowl game, I watched him probably four times, five times this year, live, all the way through. But like, I don't know, man. I didn't watch the BYU left tackle at all, and I haven't taken any time out of my day to get on YouTube, you know, and, and be an amateur YouTube GM and scout to go watch the BYU left tackle. And even if I did. I'm not qualified to evaluate a, pro, a professional offensive lineman. Like, I, I can look at Panay Sewell and say, yeah, that guy looks like a brick wall. And uh, he looks like he's pretty And special. he's humongous. And he's humongous. Right? He's humongous. I, I, can, I can watch Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia Tech and say he's an elite athlete. Yep. you know, it, with elite traits, and, yep. and I can recognize those things. But, like, it's not that I'm
1: unqualified. But he's not it, even all the way complete yet. He's right. still a project in the works. But right? I don't know what the Pat da- Meyer, the, the offensive right. – The Darisau kid, right? Exactly. But he's yeah. very athletic yeah, and has exactly. everything the measure.
0: And I don't know how Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach for the, the Panthers, feels about, you know, Darisau in his blocking scheme, for instance, or, you know, how he feels about him as a person, as a worker, as any of those – like, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know what I mean? Completely. So I am just throwing darts. You know, and, and seeing if anything hits. And that's what most of the industry's doing, man. So, like, I was listening to a national interview. I think I was listening to Dan Patrick the other day. And a guy jumps on. I forget who it was. Uh, I probably think of it. But he's, he was asked about, the, or he brought up the Panthers at eight. And he said, you know, I think their biggest need right now is probably corner. And uh, I think they'd probably take Patrick Sertan in the first round. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, I said that on out, Fox time out, time just out, last out. week. It's not that they don't need a corner. It's that corner is not their biggest need. Their biggest needs left tackle and has been for eight years. Okay, <laughs> A. And B, okay, B, on top of that, you know, like I, 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 I talked to my sources with the Panthers the other day. Who told me that they actually think that the, that Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech and J.C. Horn from South Carolina are better cornerback prospects than Patrick Sertan? They think Sertan's very good. They just think that Horn and Farley are two studs that are the class of this particular crop. Yeah, you know, what? I need to go back
1: and watch Farley play. Um, oh, he's a stud. Just then- a stud. But then I've heard other things. Wasn't he a, a wide receiver before?
0: Yeah, he, so he went to Virginia Tech. He's actually from near here uh, in Maiden, North Carolina, and uh, went to Virginia Tech as a wide receiver and was quickly converted to cornerback. Right. But, I mean, just so fast. And and big 6'3", I think. And the, the scouts talk about it a lot. Uh, you could speak more to this. But, like, they would put him on an island. Uh, Virginia Tech's defense, Bud Foster and Justin Hamilton, I mean, they would leave him – by himself on, on the wide side of the field, and they would dare people to throw the ball at him. And they did, and it didn't work out very often at all. Like He's a legitimate shutdown corner. But like the, the big question with him right now is he's got back issues. And he's already had, I think, one back surgery and then another minor procedure like two weeks ago or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And apparently it's scaring people off. Is it should, but he is. I believe, and a lot of people believe, the best cornerback in this class. So, but getting back to the point, like that guy saying, well, you know, I think it makes sense. My people are telling me they got to go corner in the first round. Well, no, I mean they, they've there are plenty of good corners that you can get in the second round, third round, as you well know. And their biggest needs left tackle, and I, I don't know. But anyway, I just think we beat the draft to death. Mm -hmm. And probably also, to your point a couple of minutes ago, don't spend enough time talking about the middle to later rounds.
1: Right, because to me, that's the most important part. That's when real championship teams are built. Or is in the second, third, fourth, fifth round picks, when those guys hit and turn out to be really good players that really contribute either their first, second, third year, and you're putting it all together. Like Those are the championship draft picks that count that really carry it over. I just feel that all we ever hear about at the top, everybody we talk about, they're all going first round. Like yes. the only people we talk about are all going in first round. So just to me, it gets so repetitive and kind of annoying that I always tune out when well, it comes it's to it's time Well, it's wall to
0: wall coverage of, of not the first pro day, but the second Justin Fields pro day or the second Zach Wilson pro day. Like, we saw – like, the Justin Fields' first pro – I don't even like pro days. They're not even that entertaining. They're not. But his was. I mean, I I thought his was decent, and I thought because his athleticism was on display and after all the bullshit people had said about him, like, I was glad to see him go out there and and look good, perform well. Mm -hmm. But I I joked the other day, I think it was two weeks ago, I said, look, we got the the Gonzaga Bulldogs undefeated at the time. You know, making a run to possibly an unbeaten season for the first time in 45 years. We've got the Masters this week, Shoei Otani's doing incredible things in baseball, uh, so many other great stories. And I turn on my TV this morning, and this is just one example, and I'm, I'm not throwing shade at everybody at ESPN, but I turn on Get Up, a show that I do like to watch in the morning, and for 45 straight minutes in the middle of all those other things going on around sports, it's just nothing but pro days and takes on Justin Fields, how he reads the defense and 45 straight minutes and it's over and over and over again. So you like we're talking about the second and third rounders. Well, if you're really into the draft, yeah, you could probably say there's not enough coverage of those middle rounds. But from a, I guess, a viewership or rating standpoint or interest, how much wide interest in the, is there in the massive like sports audience that really want to dive into third round, fourth round offensive line prospects, things like that.
1: Not only that, but they only want to hear about the quarterbacks, dude. And And because this draft has a very unique situation where all of a sudden it's like a race to the top to get a quarterback, even though once you get past Trevor Lawrence, everybody's like, he might not, he might can fail, right? Like every single one of these quarterbacks all have their issues. Not only that, but Trevor Lawrence, to me, I mean, I don't even care about what he said in the interview. I don't really care about that. It's more about the Sports Illustrated thing where everybody tries to knock him. Oh, is he fully committed? Any Blatter is trying to find the pick holes in anybody's game when it gets close to draft That's time. That's the stupidest thing. It's that the we dumbest talk about. thing ever. It's it the was. I hate it. All they about. want to do is just. Put negative out there on you. That's all it is. That's, they do it to everybody. He
0: didn't say anything that wasn't true, honest, or didn't make 100% sense for a I, I, rational person. I, I 1,000% agree, Not everybody Kyle. is Tom Brady and Luke Keekley football robots. Right. You shouldn't expect – you and I talked about it. You shouldn't yes. expect people to be like
1: that. No, not at all. You You should have hobbies and other things you want to do with your life and yourself um, outside of your, your job. So, you know, but at the same time is – but the, these quarterbacks, where now all of a sudden the Jets are all – they got rid of Sam Darnold, so you know they're going Zach Wilson, number two. San Francisco traded up. You don't trade up for a position player like that. So you know they're going with a quarterback, and that's the, another smoke screen Is All right, is it Justin Fields? Is it Trey Lance? All right, where San Francisco just had – they just designed their own personal workout for Trey Lance – and other teams can come there and check it out, but at the same time, San Francisco was controlling it. So I'm like, dude, so they're clearly interested in him as well. So your top three picks are gonna be quarterbacks and that's never happened. I don't think that's ever happened before.
0: Top three, it has happened. It's happened twice. Top four, never happened. Never happened. Yeah, so I think it was 75, maybe, the Jim Plunkett draft that the three in a row went. And then yeah, it but was, we're,
1: how many of these quarterbacks are all good, though? I'm trying
0: to think. Oh, no, I'm trying to think of the other class. I'll look it up here in a second. I yeah, think, look I it up. the I think the more recent class, I think the top three all turned out to be pretty good. I just want to make sure I know what it is. Um, But the the other one, the gym, it was way back in the 70s. I think there were maybe two of the three uh, that, that – yeah.
1: I just I, – I hope these guys can be successful. But like you're saying, these teams need way more than just a quarterback. Like the Jets need a lot to be good. Jacksonville, I think they need a lot to be good. Same thing you're saying with the Carolina Panthers. They need more than just one position to all of a sudden say that, oh, man, like they, they look a lot better. I heard you on your radio show today talking about that you felt the Panthers' roster was actually better today as it sits than it was Last year,
0: yeah, I, I think the, the sum total of it is I don't know how much better. I don't think any yeah, yeah. of us know that. Like, I don't, I, but I think looking at it, it is a more talented roster, mm-hmm. um, top to bottom. I don't, like I said, offensively, you haven't upgraded from Curtis Samuel yet. And like, no matter how you feel about him, he's a good football player. Yeah. And so I, they haven't replaced him. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey coming back, he only played three games last year. So I think he's, you could argue he's part of the upgrade we're talking about. I don't know if Sam Darnold's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. We're, we're not going to know that until he probably plays eight to 10 games at least. And then, you know, I think the offensive line's better and I think it will be better after the draft because they have to take a tackle. Even if they wait and, and take the, the second selection, get your boy, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, they have to take one. And so, regardless, the talent level should be better on the offensive line, regardless. You think he'll be there by the time you get to eight in the second round? Well, you mean, yeah, I think it's the 39th overall pick. I don't know. I've seen him, like, late first round on a few mock drafts. That's what I'm saying. I've heard he's a bulldog, and I love the guy. So,
1: I I also did – but, look, when I watch his tape, first of all, he had a terrible senior week, all right, that he was not good at senior bowl practice, which is important because you're going to get to other very talented guys. He didn't have a good week. And maybe it's because he was just coming off of a national championship game. I mean, he has been playing football. A lot of these guys have been training and going. So um, that could be, I'm not going to make excuses for him, but that was one knock on him. But when you watch him in game film, like he was great all year long. He protected Mac Jones' blindside, did a great job. He is very susceptible to the bull rush. I think he's almost too passive in his uh, past pros. All right. And in the run game, he's not overly dominant. He's solid. He's good. Right. So when you look at him, like, "Mm." if he's a first round guy, you want him overly dominant in one of these categories, specifically a left tackle, probably his pass rush. And his pass protection, pass pro is good. It's just that he's sometimes soft on the edge. So he gives himself up for bull rushes. And in the league, man. These guys are so much bigger and stronger and more physical than the ends that he played against in the Senior Bowl. So that's just a knock. So if I get he, he doesn't do great, then how does he transition over? So I know how coaches and scouts are looking at him, but I always thought he's a first-round guy. I really like his game.
0: He's tough, man. He's I really tough. like his game. I like him too. So I think
1: but- I think he could come here and start immediately. For, I mean, and look, a lot of people didn't have Cam Robinson from Alabama being as dominant as he's been, and he started every game since he's been in the league. So, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, what it is and what it takes to be successful in the league. Huh? Yeah,
0: like the, the draft is almost here. I'm so grateful that. I'm it's glad almost you here. didn't ask
1: me about an offensive guard I don't or want a center. Talk,
0: I know you don't want to talk about him. And you know what? I'm tired of talking about him. I don't care. Like, pick the best player on your board in the third round. If it's a center, awesome. Tell me about him after you pick him.
1: Yeah. Hey, hey look, and, and actually, don't tell me about him at all because you know how I feel about him. But so. I know.
0: But I know some people think I'm crazy. Some like the. the there are people. Who they get their rocks off making fifty mock drafts the draft. <laughs> like that's their deal, man. It's the NFL's version of, of college football recruitniks. Like the people who like live on message Yeah, points. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. that's the NFL's version of the college football recruitniks, they just do mock drafts every single day. They're on a work break for fifteen minutes at lunch, you know, making a mock draft at work. It's like, that's that's their thing, and they can't imagine how the rest of us, you know, just like bro, there's like Shohei Otani's pitching, you know, like Mookie Betts just you know made a ridiculous play, or the Masters is on. Like mm-hmm. I like these things. Like, I feel like sports media has become too hyper-focused on the NFL and the NBA, and it's hurting sports media. Now, I'm not saying that they should you know, not get their you know, due attention, proportionate to you know, their audience, because you know, the NFL is the biggest, I was going to say something very inappropriate. The NFL is the biggest, it's the behemoth in American pro sports. Yes, it is. But that doesn't mean that people also don't want to hear about the Atlanta Braves you know, and, and a big performance from Ronald Acuna Jr. Or any number of things. And they do cover some of these things. I don't want to pretend like they don't. It's just that I don't know if they get their due attention. I think we're too hyper-focused on those things, and I don't think we have to.
1: I'm honest. with you.
0: I'm with you. I'm completely with you, Kyle. I mean, I, I don't know, man. Something I, else I, want, I, I did want ahead. to touch on real quick. Because I, I know it's. It's what everybody – did you see – and I'm asking if you see this because you are so sometimes blissfully tuned out of all the bullshit. That's what I love about you. You find a way to naturally tune out from stuff, and I have to be locked into this all the time because of work. (laughs) Did you see the Raiders tweet last night? No, I have no idea. After the George Floyd verdict was read? No. You haven't heard anything. I love this about you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have no idea. I I can sum this up pretty quickly. So uh, last night, obviously, there's a whole other conversation to be had about – uh, brands and corporations now, um, you know, having a moral compass and, you know, a voice in social issues and how that's done and all that shit. But last night, the Las Vegas Raiders Twitter account, shortly after the George Floyd verdict, tweeted a an image, a graphic that simply said, you know, black background, white letters, I can breathe, can breathe for 2021. Not I can't breathe, I can breathe, um, which I believe was a phrase that was on some t-shirts used by certain factions of law enforcement and other back the blue people to mock the I can't breathe movement phrase t-shirts okay. but was also just wildly out of place and inappropriate to tweet like in response to something like that and so of course they, so were they, they trying to say like because
1: uh uh Chauvin's been convicted that now that they, now they can breathe? Is, so, right. Because they couldn't breathe before? So, I, so what,
0: basically, that, what there, there's an explanation that came afterward from Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. But yeah. first... Um, Somebody got fired? Well, that I'm not sure about. But it's, it read, I can breathe for 2021. And Floyd told officers, I can't breathe more than 20 times before he was killed when Derek Chauvin pressed his knee into his neck. And, of course, nine minutes later, he was, he was dead. And uh, Mark Davis after this tweet remained up for a long period of time, as people were dragging the Raiders. I mean, they doxed the social media managers. They found their LinkedIn profiles. I mean, there, there was some, it was the terrible backlash. And so that happens. And, you know, after a period of time, Mark Davis finally speaks to the media, I guess, and tells ESPN that he meant no disrespect to the family and that he, this is where the phrase comes from, or comes from, that he took the lead from Floyd's brother, who said, the, uh, said, today we are able to breathe again after the verdict was read. George Floyd's brother read, said, today we're able to breathe again. So apparently Mark Davis just heard that and came up with, I can breathe, not knowing that you know, George Floyd was on you know, video saying, I can't breathe repeatedly. And on top of then you know, explaining it that way, Mark Davis says, oh, and we're not taking the tweet down either. Like double down on it. Like we're not taking it down. And everybody's like, okay, like this, this is a master's class in, in how to destroy your own organization and PR, public relations. But yeah, I mean, that was what they were getting destroyed for last night. And I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, I, I, maybe it's an example of how people make too big a deal of social media. On the other hand, you have millions of followers and you need to be very careful in the messages you send, especially on a day like yesterday. I, I think timing is everything. Right. All right. Timing's if, terrible if, in this instance. Yeah, if they send that same tweet,
1: Two weeks ago, I don't think anybody. Well, even kept... I don't
0: know, man. I mean, that's look at the end of the day, Kyle.
1: Why is Mark Davis in control of the Twitter well, account? It's his team. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he like pays the bills. He still shouldn't. Uh, you should have better people doing this thing. The fact that he's explaining in the way that, in the manner in which that you explained it to me, how the story went was, he was explaining like he was in charge of the tweet. Well, we're not taking it down, um, and he explained the thinking behind it. Uh, and look, man, you just got to be careful about what you're doing. America's in this this place right now. We're very sensitive times. Oh. And we, are, we're, we need to – we've made – look, I'm cool with making people uncomfortable because that's when real change happens. Yeah. I'm very, very cool, and I accept that. And I just want to see us all be better. I'm glad the, the verdict came out the way that it did because I would have been – I'm not even going to act like it shouldn't have been anything else. But I, I just – the NFL has to be better. Like, Mark Davis, you've been around this game way too long yeah. to not understand, especially when, when it comes to sensitive things of race or, or creed, any of those things here in America, man. People are willing to die for this stuff, uh, clearly. And a lot of people have died for this.
0: Well, and, okay, this, but the, I didn't bring this up to hyperanalyze a tweet. Like, I, I think we do way too much of that. You know, it was a – I think it was a stupid And you thing. can't read emotions through text. But I'll, I brought it up also to say – I struggled I, that with my wife. Like you said, we are in such a hyper-politicized world that we, it feels like you can't escape it, right? And you know the people that are constantly um, begging for sports. Get, get politics out of sports. Take politics out of sports. Let's go back to the way th- – there didn't used to be all these politics and sports. Well, that's a little problematic because it's not accurate or true. But at the same time, the world is hyper-politicized. Yes. So you, it feels like you can't escape it, and now we, we've entered a point in time where all of the brands, the major corporations, pro sports teams, everyone seems like, they, or maybe not everyone, but a large majority of these institutions and people feel like they just have to have a voice in the conversation or that they are, have an obligation to you know, make a statement or say something after the fact. Like the NFL yesterday, that statement the NFL issued after the verdict. And I don't even know exactly what it said. I'm not that interested in what the NFL thinks, other than I know the statement was in support of the verdict and in support of social justice and equality and all these things. This was the same organization that would not listen to Colin Kaepernick when he was saying these things years ago. Exactly. And while he might be an imperfect messenger, you know, it's just really interesting to see that tone now when, you know, years ago the guy was saying the same thing.
1: Kyle, and I'm not trying to be repetitive here, but I heard you talk about this on your radio show when um, uh, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, just got right back up there and talking about signing this uh, this all-rights deal with the, not all-rights, but the rights deal gambling. to k- gambling. Yeah. When just a few years ago, it was like, oh, this would be the worst thing ever for sports if this happens. Yes. And how, how negative-affecting it could be. And then – now you look up, you're like, oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah, 2012. We're all in.
0: 2012. We're right here. It was nine years ago that this he, is, t- yeah. he testified <laughs> that it would be the end of sports as we know it, that everything would be in question, that legalized sports betting would you know, cause undue uh, attention to and put the microscope on everything, and it would ruin the integrity of sports. 2015, uh, remember Tony Romo was trying to do that fantasy football event in Vegas. With mm-hmm. all the fantasy football guys, some gambling people were going to be there. Can't do and it. because it was going to be at a Vegas casino, the Can't NFL do it. stepped in and said, nope, you're not doing this. We're shutting it down. But here we are six years later, and they have partnerships with DraftKings, FanDuel, yep. uh, Caesars Palace. Yeah. Uh, you know, all, but it's, hey. Follow the money? And that's why I laugh when, you know, people look to the NFL to have some sort of, you know, conscience or be a moral compass or have some responsibility in, in the role of social justice. It's like, okay, well, you'd like for everyone, corporations and entities like that included, you know, to have positive, uh, you know, contributions to society. But how many more – how much more of an example do you need that the NFL is a profit-driven endeavor? They're about money. And their their own players tell you that. What, what yeah, do you need no, to yeah, but the – and it's at the sacrifice of the players. I mean, they just, now they got a
1: 17th game. I know the money is supposed to be a lot better eventually, but like, I mean, their bodies are gonna be shot. I, I hate it because I'm more of a traditionalist and I see all the records that are gonna be broken because of it, because people have more games to play. And, um, and we're not gonna look at it any differently. It's just weird. But talking about following the money though, Kyle. I want to. Are you done with this? Because I want to. Well, no, wait,
0: no. I'm not, well, it depends on where you're going. Because I, I did want to talk about the trial for a second. You, oh, uh, just, well, what you got? Well, no, I'm just. I, I I told you like weeks ago. However, how long? I don't even know how long the trial lasted exactly. But I know it's been a matter of weeks. But I told you kind of near the beginning. Yeah, because I watched it early, and yeah, then I didn't watch it late. I saw some of the early testimony for maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't turn it on. Now, I, I've heard some of the sound bites played on the radio and, and seen some of the bites on, on news you know shows and things like that. But it's not that I don't think it matters at all. It's that, like I told you from the beginning, I don't need to see anything else. Yeah. I know what you happened. You saw, yeah. yeah. You know, and I, it, I was waiting for them to say the man was guilty to, for murdering George Floyd because that's what happened and that was the proper yeah. outcome. It was a disturbing video. But you know. like I, I didn't watch much of the coverage until yesterday when I, I think I saw something that reminded me that the verdict was supposed to be at 4.30. So I was home, my wife and I turned it on, and it was nauseating to watch the, the coverage on some of the networks leading up to it. I bet you
1: could feel the tension through the TV. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah.
0: it kind of, uh, I mean, I, I'm not even, it, it was, a lot of it was nauseating coverage. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. There's just so much editorializing, um, mm-hmm. there's not, there's, there's so much that's broken with the news and it's been broken for a long time, but I, I watched the, the reading of it and I told you that I, I watched that guy. I watched Derek Chauvin as the, uh, the, the verdict was read and I, I suspect it's because he's, he's known for a long time that he was probably going to prison. Yeah. He didn't flinch. When those verdicts were read, yeah, and and that was that'll always stay with me watching that. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah, I mean his eyes were wide open. He was very alert, very engaged. He didn't flinch. Yeah, um, and you know the, I told you when I got here they're gonna milk this story for all it's worth. For sure. You know, you are. and I had the TV on a little while ago, and it was the the graphic on the screen was you know Derek Chauvin tra- <laughs> is in a maximum security prison. Well, no shit. He's a convicted murderer. You know, that's where convicted murderers go. Yes, they do. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, 24 hours out that it doesn't warrant some conversation, but the news media is going to milk this for everything it's worth. They're going to keep stoking it. You had Fox News last night. Tucker Carlson lost his shit. Uh, Greg Gutfield had the audacity to say that, you know, there's still a case to be made that he's innocent, uh, to which the other Fox hosts, I mean, just groaned and said no. I mean, if, if the other hosts around you on Fox are telling, telling you that's an outrageous, ridiculous thing to say, I mean, that's where we are right now, though. And yeah. the nauseating coverage was just too much for an hour. For uh, I'm glad I did today. not watch. I really am. Um, but, I mean, the, the reaction to it across the country was something else.
1: Yesterday was 420, man. So, it was a lot of other things
0: going there on. There was a lot of other things going on yesterday. And, I, and, I, and for anybody who thinks we're making light of anything, we're not. But, like, that was that – was, uh, It was. One, it one was. of those days you'll always remember. Always.
1: And I will. And I you, don't
0: know what to do with it beyond that. Because, like you said, minutes later – Another shooting in Columbus, Ohio. Fifteen-year-old girl gets shot to death by police. Saw the video this morning. She was brandishing a knife, but there's so much context that we don't have and don't know. Right. And I don't feel comfortable, you know, casting judgment until I do know. But like you had that happening, and it's obviously Minneapolis. So in the middle of all this, you have the Dante Wright thing, you know, with the Brooklyn Center police and the the officer who pulled a, a gun instead of a taser, which continues to blow my mind. That. Anyone is still trying to craft an argument that that is somehow an innocent mistake or a real explanation for why that kid got shot to death.
1: Man, that, let me tell you, some things you just can't do on your job.
0: Like, it's a critical error. Like, and you, oh. you, you can't do those things. I, you it's, know, we don't, I don't even think that you're absolutely right to point it out. I don't even have a tolerance for the debate or that question at all. Yeah. You know, I, immediately, the first statement that I saw from Brooklyn Center Police when it said "You know, this was uh, an unfortunate... oh, when They called it an accidental discharge. And I'm like, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. There's no gun owner that knows anything <laughs> about guns that would call that an accidental discharge. An accidental discharge is when you leave one in the chamber and you shoot your finger off when you're, you're right. cleaning <laughs> it. Ask Jose Canseco. That's a fucking accidental discharge. When you pull a, a, a loaded firearm... And mistake it for a taser. And by the way, as I, you know, a lot of us learned, those things are cross-holstered to avoid that kind of mix-up. They're yellow instead of black, which is the color of the service weapon. Yep. And by the way, They're a, a plastic like- taser <laughs> weighs a, a hell less. of a lot less than a fully loaded, <laughs> uh, full-size automatic pistol service weapon. Like, that was the most ridiculous. So anyway, not to go completely down that rabbit hole, but I, I people in this country are worn out, man. Like, we mentally, f- and if, if you watch the news... Which I don't think is a healthy thing to do. Increasingly, all that much, if you don't have to, I agree. People, the mental health of the people, especially the big, the big channels. You know what I mean? Like, man,
1: it's been really, uh, it's been really uh, toxic, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to get away from that, Kyle, as much as I can. My wife won't let me watch a lot of it in the house because she's just like, I'm, she's over it. So it's been uh interesting in this household. That's why I didn't get to watch the the Derek Sharp and trial, and when it finally was over. Now, talking about for me, chasing the money. Chasing the money. And I wish hayden Ash Julian Council was here. Oh, yeah. For this. We got sure, to make sure league, we tag him and, and shout him out. The Super League in, shock, in soccer. Yes,
0: I wanted to talk about this. Oh,
1: my goodness. So, now, the thing I didn't understand. So, at first, I was like, oh, man, that seems like a pretty cool idea. I'm over here on this side. I'm a completely, a completely across the pond. I don't know anything about it. But when you really dive into it, it is a terrible setup for those teams over there in Europe. All right, because like they don't have a minor league system they don't have college they don't have those things so those those small league teams that they have like 90 something teams over there that all get to play their way their way up to like the big leagues like these younger in these smaller clubs they make money not off the big ticket sales but by getting good talent from their area and then selling them to the big teams right like that is how they continue to grow their sport and do things over there. So when all of a sudden you got these, these 12 teams or whatever that are really good. And all of a sudden they want to disperse and do their own thing and then kind of lock it in as like a franchise system. It really defeats the purpose of all these other teams. And now where's the talent go? But not only that, some of these teams were not good 10 years ago.
0: Oh yeah. Like Man,
1: man city. Yeah. That's what they're saying. They're like, dude, You guys are just on a hot wave right now. You weren't even good 10 years ago. Now you wanna act like you're big time and you wanna just go off and do some other thing. And they're saying a lot of it is American influenced money or outside influenced money into the European league that has really made this thing even possible of an idea to even do. I think most people over there will fight against it, but it's still very interesting and a great conversation to have because I didn't even understand that Until uh, until I watched. um, Oh, my
0: gosh. Uh, I watched until I die. No, I watched the podcast. No, no.
1: I love Ted Lasso's great show.
0: Season two, July. I heard it's coming out. Season two, July. Best fucking news ever. But no, you're right. And I've actually been as someone who I mean, relative to people who cover the sport and like big fans of the sport. I don't know shit about, you know, European soccer. I, I respect it. I know how important it is. I understand culturally that's their, you know, football. That's, that's uh, their thing, Kyle. It, it's, it's the world sport. It's the global game. So, like, I appreciate it. And I will sit down and watch on Saturday mornings if somebody's got it on. I'll watch a Premier League game because those guys are the best at what they do. But this story is fascinating for, like, a lot of reasons. Because, <laughs> first of all, you had this influx of American sports ownership right. into those teams. That's a, that's a big kicker. Kyle. John Henry, who owns the Red Sox. Uh, the Glazer family that owns the, uh, the Buccaneers. Buccaneers and uh, uh, Stan Kroenke, yep. uh, who owns the Rams. So, you know, those three have ownership stakes in what Liverpool, Manchester United and Chelsea, I think. Right. Um, like that. I believe that's right. I'll double check. And then uh, LeBron James has a two percent ownership stake in Liverpool. Uh, So just in case you didn't know that, and lots of people – so anyway, American influence has been coming over there. Right. And there have been people in the media who have taken the spin of, like USA Today did today, uh, that, hey, this is the American influence of greed on European soccer. Yes, it is. Now, look, on the one hand, as a proud American, I do take some issue. But I listened to – Like, greed didn't originate in America. (laughs) Okay, kid, let's be honest about that. It came over here. We're pretty – fucking good at it but like greed didn't originate in america so you know let's not shit on america for everything here but yes i do think that is an interesting component to this because as we know and as we've talked about the nfl uh is uh, a a league an institution of 32 different fiefdoms where you know 31 of them have billionaire owners and they just run their own castles you know and they all belong to the same organization but you know the, the owners don't answer to anybody but themselves and, and so they don't have to worry about relegation. They don't have to worry about real consequences for losing because American pro sports incentivizes losing and in that if you suck, you get the first draft pick, you know, so, you know, it's that's they've been able to monopolize, you know, have antitrust exemptions and, yep. you know, In Europe, I'm not saying – that like, they have their own issues. There's corruption. There's all sorts of things that are dirty and awful about European soccer. Just Google it. There's some terrible stories. You know, FIFA's one of the most corrupt organizations in the world. Yep, but this would mess up FIFA too,
1: though. This would mess up FIFA too.
0: Right, right. So, But but that's sort of an Americanized, hey, you know, we have this more – I don't even know if this is the right word for it, but like egalitarian system over there where there are 35 or 40 different levels of soccer. Yes. And you could be an upstart (laughs) club that's sponsored by the local pub and you could conceivably win your way all the way up that's to the Premier the, that's League.
1: That's what they're saying. Like, a lot of these teams have been able to do that through time Not over there. Not
0: that many. Like, Leicester City did it. I think they won the, the Premier League championship in uh, – and I don't even know if I'm using the right you know, jargon, but <laughs> they won it in 2017, and they were like a startup kind of nobody in 2014, I think. But it's possible, right? And if you, and if you suck – If you finish bottom three, you're relegated to the next lowest league. So, I think it's Premier League to Champions League. And so, there are real consequences to losing. Yes. You know, and and again, it's got its own systemic issues over there. Nobody's saying it's perfect. But I would love to see something like that in America. You know, (laughs) where the Cincinnati Bengals sucked for ten straight years. You know, and you the Brown family it. had to suffer some damn consequences <laughs> for it on behalf of the people. <laughs> I mean, it'd be kind of cool to have. I that. mean, the
1: St. Louis Rams are really bad, and nobody cared. Stan Kroenke, yeah. they weren't doing anything no.
0: up there for a long time no. until they're like, okay, yeah, we can move to L.A. He's no. like, okay, great. And Jimmy Haslam was like firing people every six months yeah. up in Cleveland, and they just kept going to games. Yeah, they, you know, they just they keep going, I, and the prices keep going up.
1: You yeah. know, and
0: and it's just I that's that's the coolest thing about what happened with the Super League, and I talked about this today is that that was a fan revolt that stopped that.
1: No doubt. They they said that, so that's why I was, sure. Pat McAfee showed. Pat McAfee had a guy on that's from over there and really, they really dove into a lot of things. He really went into detail because Pat McAfee was like, he was like, oh man, that seems pretty cool. A little super league, right? Like, oh, you know, the teams that we know here in America Oh, they're all going to have their own thing. So, oh, that'd be cool for us to watch. Uh, and they're like, oh, no, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Not, not the fans. The fans are like, this is a revolt to everything that we are and that our whole soccer system is built on from the ground up is that you're going to reshape this whole thing. And they're looking at some of these teams like, dude, you weren't even good. <laughs> you were like at the bottom with the rest of us, just a, a hop, skip and a jump ago. And now all of a sudden you're on this upswing and now you want to take advantage of it and start your own thing. It's just really interesting to see all that because I didn't know that personally. And I was wondering how, how deep you were, but you're you're dead on it too because it is such an interesting dynamic that in America we don't have that. We got college sports. So they don't the NFL teams don't ever worry about a college team being good enough to have a chance to play their way in. Right. Or the bottom part of the NFL teams having to stay good for long enough to always – play your way in we a lot of my nfl buddies we talk about all the time how the the premier league how that's so cool because yeah it's like you got to be good to stay in there every year
0: somebody gets kicked out yes you're gone so you should check this out i think you'd like it um and i believe it's i believe it's netflix i'll i've got a computer i'll look it up um but they it's called sunderland till i die And uh, Sunderland is a uh, is a is a club, a football club over there that was, you know, very, very good once uh, a long time ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're in the Premier League, stayed there for a long time. But, uh, you know, there's a Netflix multi-season series on this club as they, you know, go through uh, a season relegation. And I I won't ruin the rest of it for you, but uh, I mean, it's really, really good. And it shows you just how deeply ingrained, um, you know, these clubs are. In these communities. Like, you know, being at Alabama, and I had the same experience at Virginia Tech, you know, when you go to a football school, once a week, uh, you have the, the coach's weekly radio show, right? Mm-hmm. Saban had his. I mean, I, you, you weren't Shula, you were. are uh, you were there for Shula. I right? was there for Shula. Yeah, you're, so Shula had his radio show. Frank Beamer had the one in Blacksburg. People show up, boosters come, they pay for the best seats, the radio shows live, they ask the questions. You know, they have to pepper people with questions, they take call ins. You know, the fans get to, you know, come and, and be a part of it. And, over there, they have that with some of these local clubs where the, mm-hmm. the manager and the chairman and some of the other executives show up for these weekly or monthly meetings, and the fans and the fan clubs show up, and they just pepper these dudes with questions. I and saw the Ted Lasso the interview. Hard-hitting questions. I saw like, Ted Lasso interview. You saw it, but like, <laughs> you get to see the real ones. With this, this so check it out, man. Son of I die. It's awesome. But these, these clubs are deeply ingrained in these communities. And the cooler thing is, like I talked about, and I didn't know this, that Bundesliga, which is the German league, uh, Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh-huh. Um, interestingly, Borussia Dortmund played here in Charlotte three years ago against Liverpool in one of those international, I think, yes. it was the gold cup matches. Yeah, yeah, and the no- international and, friendlies. And so uh, those teams are mandated, I think, by law to be f- at least 51 percent fan owned. So the the chairman, the exa- they can't overrule the fans, you know. And if the fans have the votes, you know, to in a, I guess a particular issue. You're not overruling the fans. And so uh, those two teams, I think, out of the Bundesliga, as I understand it, were not really, they weren't going to join the Super League because the fans said, no, we're not doing that. And, and so now it's falling apart. Like, all of them are coming out. Like, it lasted 36 hours, and now the Super League's fucking <laughs> dead. And it's the funniest thing ever because the fans said, no, fuck you. Like, these are our clubs. We've been cheering yeah. for these clubs for 120 years. Right, right. You millionaire this- assholes. Don't get, just get to run off with our, our stuff.
1: Well, that's what they're saying. It's like, all right, you guys, the influx of money, all of a sudden now you're making these decisions, <laughs> and you're just going to be gone. And what about the fans that have been putting all this time and emotions into our teams right. for 100-plus years? right. What's going on? Right,
0: you're just you're gonna upend the structure of European <laughs> football. Now, I again, I don't pretend to be an expert on this, but I know that people would say, well, yeah, but in 1992, you know, whatever the, it used to be, that something became the Champions League. That was a huge seismic shift then, and soccer survived. And it's like, yeah, that's true. I get it, but like my understanding is the sort of. You know, uh, egalitarian accessibility of the way that, again, you can play your way to the top. Right. That was, I think, remained intact. So, again, I'm fumbling through this shit because I don't know soccer that well. But I'm, I'm fascinated by the story. I love and it's it. One of the, it was the biggest story in the world for 36 hours. <laughs> in the world, that was the biggest sports story for two straight days. It is. It is. So cool. I, I, I
1: think it's so cool, um, and it's been really interesting to see. Um, just how all this thing kind of unfolded. Um, I know we got to go. Here no, we got a minute. We're good. Okay. Okay. Uh, my thing is this. Another thing. If I'm starting a, a, a franchise, why do you always hear the same names? All right. Luka Doncic. Oh, you want to talk about LaMelo Ball.
0: Let's talk about the name.:
1: LaMelo Ball is another name that's getting tossed out there. Why don't more people talk about Devin Booker? Uh, Devin Booker
0: from the Phoenix Suns. What was it? Was it LeBron around the all yeah, the All Star snub? Right. I mean, he made it, but with, when he got snubbed, LeBron was like, he's the most disrespected player in the NBA. It's
1: crazy to me. I like I love Luka Doncic, Doncic but bro, they're not going anywhere with that Dallas team. Him and Porzingis, they not they ain't they ain't beating nobody. Not at least I don't think so. Um, they're good. They're not great.
0: Right. That's, that's no. Uh-uh. The Jazz. But, the, the Jazz right now. Eh, maybe not. I mean, Dallas. Is but playing much I would better. really consider I was
1: Jazz might sweep them. But and they could. I would really consider taking Devin Booker over Luka Doncic just because Devin Booker is a oh, boss.
0: No, not me. Not me. I, mean, I uh, like. I, mean, I, I love Devin. But I mean, I, I think Luka is Larry Bird with athleticism. Like I, I think that's who he is. Like he's, that he's what twenty one. Yeah, but I, I think Devin Booker
1: is a better shooter.
0: Uh, probably. And to me, I, yeah. I,
1: I'll take a shooter right now in the NBA over anybody. Let's so that, see. Let's just well, what I'm. I'll, what I'm feeling, what I'm taking, I, and just the the pure numbers. I mean, people just love Luka. I get it. But Devin
0: Booker is flying under the sun. The dude is a baller. That's it. That's all you got. Baller. Okay, no, I, I'm with you. He is a baller, man. I'm right there with you. I'm more interested in something that I had a lot of fun debating today. All right. Steph Curry is the top 10 player of all time in the NBA. Hear me out. And I'm not saying that I think he absolutely is. I'm saying that, He's 33 years old, and he already has an argument. And so long as he plays a few more years, I think he's going to finish as a top 10 player because he's got three rings, two MVPs, and right now it's either him or Jokic to win the, the NBA MVP, I think. Joel Embiid's in it, but he's missed Embiid. a bunch of games. Embiid's got it. I'm, I'm taking Embiid. Well, he's in it, but he's missed a bunch of games, and I think that's going to that's hurt him. Um, but Steph, so again, three rings, two MVPs, could be third. Now, he doesn't have a finals MVP, which is being held against him but first of all we consider Steph right I think you do to be the greatest shooter in NBA history yeah it's, that's not even at a this point it's established it's he is the not best shooter in NBA history so if he's the best shooter in NBA history with three rings two MVPs maybe a third if he's a best shooter in NBA history doesn't he kind of by default have to be a top 10 player in the history of the league
1: uh, it's definitely a conversation to be had because not only is he a top, I mean, not only the best shooter of all time, but he's changed the way basketball is being played from, like, the youth standpoint.
0: Oh, yeah. He, like, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I don't think I made that point enough today. I'm not sure. Like,
1: You have more kids now shooting from longer range and doing all these other things now, and they don't mention Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or why they're shooting the ball further. It's Steph Curry and the Splash Brothers. Steph Curry has changed it. You have to guard these players and people are getting more, you know, they have to spread you out even more because you have to guard these guys even further out from the, the range and the ability to be able to shoot the ball at such a high rate. And Steph Curry's able to do it. Everybody was so concerned about how is he gonna be able to create his own shot when he was coming out of college. He's small, he's not this, you know, he's this, this, this. Bro, he has the, the handles or on a yo-yo, he's got the ball going wherever he wants. He's able to create, he's shooting over guys. He's always on the move. He is definitely, I mean, I, I totally could see how he goes down as a top 10 player. And I—and I, his, his career is career still going right now. So he still has other room to grow. And Golden State is going to be able to make another run at another championship very soon in the next two to three years. Steve Kerr is still there. Klay Thompson will be back. Steph Curry is playing Out, I mean, the last twelve days, nobody on earth is playing better basketball in the world than Steph Curry right now, and the shooting display that he's uh, just showing, showcasing right now, is second to none. He's shooting fifty
0: percent from three. He's making every other one,
1: and everybody's guarding him. And
0: he's shooting from forty feet. I mean, did did you
1: see the other night when who's the team they were playing? They literally were double teaming him the moment he got the ball in from like. You have to. they were double-teaming him. They I'm were like, Look, somebody that. else is going to take this shot. And he still was dribbling
0: away from the double-team and shooting it and making it. I'm glad you said that, because I, I do think that this season especially is what is really allowing for people to see why he's so great, because people doubted him. You know, when Kevin Durant came over, like, they won the title with the big three first. I get that. You know, him and Draymond and Clay, But, uh, you know, KD came over and got him a title, you know, with him. Uh, won two, I guess. and And – or wait, did Kevin get one with them? I'm, I always get it backwards. And it doesn't matter. But he, it's used against him that, you know, Steph had KD. And it was like, hey, Dwayne Wade had to get out of the way for LeBron James. That's what, what Steph has to do. He's got to get out of Kevin Durant's way. Well, okay. Like Kevin, I think Kevin Durant is the most talented NBA offensive player on the planet. He is the best offensive player on the globe, period. Who? Kevin Durant. Um, now I, Not that, James Harden? No. Okay. No. No. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, James Harden's incredible. He's top three, you know, offensively. But like, no, he can't. He can't even do some of the things that KD can do simply because he's a literal giant, you know, with an eight foot wingspan. No. So, I mean, he's I agree. Best, but I still would say LeBron James is the best player in the world right now. I got to give him that. But like so we had that getting back to the point. But this year, no clay. Obviously, KD's long gone. And, you know, Draymond, I think, has kind of revealed himself to be what a lot of us knew he was, and that's a really good defensive role player who can, you know, give you 20, 25 in a night, sometimes go off for 30 on a really good night, but he's, he's not a lead dog, you know. And so Steph is doing this with Wiseman out for the rest of the season, not playing. Like, this is the Steph show. And to your point, they're throwing double teams at him all day long. He's running <laughs> off of screens, and he's still dropping 40 a night on people. Like what more do you need to see to understand how great this dude is? I didn't even know he had that in him because he never had to do it before. He's done a lot of it, but he's never had to carry guys. like. I, that, I likened, that's what I'm saying. I likened it to the Kobe Dragon, Smush Parker, and Kwame yeah. Brown. We're, and yes,
1: where Kobe should have won that MVP that Kobe year. Kobe had
0: two stolen from him.
1: He should have won the MVP that year. They gave two. it to Steve Nass. They should have gave it to Kobe. Kobe literally, like you said, put the whole team – carried – that bad Lakers team yes. to the playoffs. Yes. It's, it's the same thing we're seeing Steph Curry do right now, but we're giving Steph all the credit. When I'm like, Kobe did that first. I remember that. Of course he did. I'm not trying to, you know, everybody of you knows did. I, I'm a dude, Kobe. People, you know.
0: people have short-term memories. <laughs> they forget about a lot of things that used to be said about Kobe Bryant when yeah. he was winning championships. And that's why I laugh at, like, some of my really young friends that, and guys that I work with that are in their, their early 20s, mid-20s, you know, who talk about, and admittedly the way that I talked about Kobe as a young man, as a kid, as you probably did, um, you know, the way they kind of make cases for this or uh, for LeBron or against Kobe's career. And it's like, man, you need, to turn, you need to turn on some of the old footage on ESPN of the NBA Finals with Stuart Scott and Magic Johnson and Bill Simmons and Michael Wilbon, you know, up there on the NBA Final Studio Show, you know, debating whether or not Kobe had matched Michael Jordan and his legacy. And if Kobe was, you know, if, if Kobe had a case as the greatest player of all time. And it's like, y- y- y'all didn't either see that, pay attention to it, or you were too young to comprehend it. But we all watched those conversations happen. So it- it's not taken away from LeBron, it's not taken away from MJ, it's that you know, Kobe's legacy is different now because he's gone, but yes. the same conversations were being had back in 2009, 2010, 2011, like that's 10 years ago, that's all it was.
1: Yeah, man, not only that, but I mean, how about um, Kobe's estate? and Nike
0: that's where I wanted to go we're, we're in sync today man we're, it's, we're, we got a symbiotic thing going on here today because oh. I was talking about that earlier because like somebody asked me Smoke asked me on the show in a segment we were doing and he said you know why does this matter and I said I mean I guess for most people it probably doesn't um, but if you're a fan of his and especially especially if you're a sneakerhead um, if you just like the gear who knows when you'll ever be able to get your hands on you know whatever version of Kobe's you know that were were, because they're not producing anymore well
1: I think that was the big deal was that um Vanessa was really well they were they were Never really being released, right? All right, they don't have Kobe to come out and showcase a new release thing or a new deal being done. I so I understand both pair. sides of it. How
0: many pair of Kobe's do you have, oh,
1: dude? I probably got like six or seven. Do I you? got a couple. I
0: still don't own a pair.
1: I got like two or three that I haven't opened yet.
0: I didn't care about. I mean, I stopped. Yeah, I,
1: I get it, but, but now, I do now I wish I, can't I could find go. them. Would well, no, you're not gonna be able to. I wish I could go back and get some where he had just messed up his Achilles and they were like the high oh, top, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, at the time, you just you could buy so many other shoes, it never thought about like, oh, I gotta go get these Kobe's. right. Why would there ever be it, a need right? To, of course, you'll always be able to get them. The same thing with some of the LeBron shoes that you see. Um, before LeBron signed this like big legacy deal, right? Yeah, the same way Michael Jordan has this legacy deal, like. Other people have had it, and I think that's what they were trying to get to, and I, I don't think they could come up with it. Not only that, but um, I think Vanessa, I heard that she had spoken about the opportunity for young kids as well to be able to get the Kobe Bryant shoes, where they only for really for
0: adults. You don't see young people with Kobe's. I don't know if you've seen this yet today, but I, and I'll pull it up because all I saw was the headline, but I did see that uh, in California yesterday or maybe this morning they found out that uh, Kobe Bryant something LLC had been filed with a trademark or patent office this morning. Uh, and so, the, and, and, and of course, that maybe you read this, but I know that there was some talk about the, the Mamba brand going out on its own eventually anyway. And so this might be the start of um, the Mamba brand, and which means they, you know, I don't know if you'll ever be able to get the old Kobe's. You know, right. I don't know if the, I don't know how that, but Nike's probably not going to let them, you know, start yeah, yeah, manufacturing yeah. the old Kobe's. But uh, there might be Mamba gear coming out. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know there's a huge market for that. I mean, imagine, it, if people in L.A. were suddenly able to get there, I mean, because he is worshipped out there. He is. He's, he's worshipped in L.A. Now, I haven't been in L.A. in a couple of years. Um, but that ain't I, changed. Well, no. It hasn't changed. That no, hasn't changed. I mean, changed. That's, I mean I, my brother was blown away, and I'm sure you've seen this, um, not too far from where I live, and actually right down the street from Bank of America Stadium here in Charlotte, uh, there's a local establishment that has a mural the entire side of the building painted a mural of Kobe Bryant holding Gianna uh, when she was younger. After you know like that he's holding her after he yeah, won the title, yeah, yeah. And he's got the cap on, he's holding the trophy, and he's kissing her on the head. That's that awesome. mural is on the side of the building up here on Mint Street in Charlotte. But you know, in LA, he's worshipped. Those people would buy billions of dollars of Mamba gear the second it hit the market. Well, not only
1: not only here, but you know, in the other foreign markets as well, China, oh my God, Europe, they all love Kobe. Oh I mean, you know, God it's yeah. a big deal when. I mean, everybody in my barbershop now has one of the, the barber capes, and they all got Kobe Bryant on it. They're not all Lakers fans. They're not all – but it's just, you know, game recognizes game, and you respect it, and it's always just, you know, the same way you're going to have DMX stuff
0: all over the place now, which is really hard to get. My dad's 62 years old. He'd buy up half of it himself. I mean, <laughs> that man loves Kobe Bryant. You know, so that, that – I mean, it, it's interesting because – and I'm glad you brought that up because I was really sad for a second when I saw that, just – and selfishly because I still haven't been able to find a pair – and should have bought them years ago when I stopped caring about buying shoes. And I was like, I'm never gonna get Kobe's again. I'll no, never I, be able I, to buy
1: I've reached that uh, frustration part too because I've always. So you felt this for a long time. I have because I know how hard they are to get. Like even the the later versions that they would try and release every now and then. So hard to get. Like,
0: and I'm so, so far, hard. I'm so far out of the culture, and I never truly was in it. I've never been a sneakerhead. Uh, like when I was a kid, and we were like I would. So you'll laugh at me. So some me and my buddies, I love the, of course, I think you probably love the AIs, the answers, right? Yeah. Fantastic shoe. I like the um, Shack Gnosis too back in the day. Nice shoe. Now we were we loved the the Grant Hills line from Fila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That loved was a great. That was a so great. Shoe. I owned like three different versions of Grant Hills. It's a great shoe. Me and my buddy were obsessed with them. Right. So we would save up our money and go buy some Grant Hills. But like I've never really been a sneakerhead. And so I see these like. But my shoes weren't are, as crazy as they are now. These online shops where they pop up and they have a limited supply and like you're rushing to get in. And I mean, do you do that? No. I don't, Okay, you don't do. That. I have
1: before. I do own sneakers. App every now and, and then. You Kyle, probably got a hookup. But though. you know what I mean. Like you probably got. It's better up to have a hookup
0: for sure. That's what I. You it's better got, to have a you probably got a hookup. That <laughs> makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. All right, before we get out of here, there was one more thing that I wanted to bring up, and I want to make sure to hit it because, uh, oh, it was funny. Oh, it was funny, Rome. I lost it for a second. Um, well, Kyle, don't lose it on me, man. I'm not going to lose it on you, man. Oh, that's what it was. I needed to check my Twitter because there was something funny on there that I wanted to, to bring up to you that I saw yesterday. First of all, uh, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. What am I thinking? Did you watch the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight? I watched the highlights of it, like everybody else.
1: But but the thing is though, I like the whole thriller concept. I'm a a thriller. I'm gonna have to get on some of these just because, dude. They say Snoop Dogg is hilarious. They say he's hilarious calling these fights. I like the part because I really I heard the whole the lie part when he was like, "Get my motherfucking money, Jake," (laughs) 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 and he really (laughs) dropped him. I mean, like like I would pay money just to hear Snoop say that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So like, it's I'm, I'm like you. I didn't and yeah, he
1: may and maybe Snoop is taking a job away from somebody that is professionally should be there doing that. But nobody cares. Snoop Dogg is Snoop Dogg. It's all good. I love it.
0: Yeah. Well. Okay. But like, eh, like I, they bought they sold 1.4 million pay per view buys for that fight, um, which is not like a record or anything. But that's nothing to sneeze at either. No. That's and real money. and the,
1: but the, they said the Ben Askew dude made more money in that one fight than he than a UFC guy that just was. Oh, yeah. The number one contender oh, yeah. and like could have had like doing for a championship fight. He made more than that. Uh, like, like I, so but my mind, I'm like, dude, it makes I'm going to go over here. Makes
0: all the sense in the it world to go that. right over it's here. It's like why Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather. Right. Because there was a big ass payday, you know, Huge. in line for like Mike Tyson getting back in the ring. You offer Mike Tyson twenty five million dollars to go, you know, half ass an exhibition, which that dude really isn't going to half ass it. Yeah, he's getting back in the ring. You know, and I got people telling me that's sad. Like, you know, you don't want to see these old punch-drunk guys get in the ring. And I'm like, okay, like if they're wobbling around, yeah, that's sad. Sometimes it's cringeworthy. But if these dudes want to get in the ring and make $25 million, I, who am I to stop them? You know, and I'm going to watch Tyson fight when he gets in there. No But doubt. what I'm not interested in is Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. And I'll tell you why. Um, because as someone who doesn't pretend to be a boxing purist but did grow up with two grandfathers who when I stayed with them on the weekends – That's what we did on Friday and Saturday nights. We watched boxing. Mm -hmm. So I at least developed a a real appreciation for the sport. Now, I eventually gravitated more toward the UFC. Like, I I do enjoy the UFC more. Right. But I do love a big, like, especially heavyweight fight. Mm -hmm. Like, I got got so excited for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder because it felt like the first real legitimate heavyweight fight in a long time. So I love big fights. But, like... It's like they're kicking the corpse of boxing by doing this shit, you know? And it's like, I don't know if Jake Paul's a real fighter or not. He beat up on a guy who, you know, used to be the welterweight champ in Bellator. So I know he's a tough-ass dude, but he's not a boxer.
1: No, he was a grappler. Right,
0: he was a grappler. He was a wrestler. he he
1: dropped – he fucking – he sent my man Nate Robinson to oh, the dude. to the... And So
0: so you beat up on little ass Nate Robinson, and you beat up on a wrestler, you know who is not a standard. Everybody fighter.
1: thought Nate was like just an athlete. Oh, he'll handle it. He'll handle it. And it was like, dude, he didn't handle it. No,
0: you know, I was thinking about that the other day because your boy sent you a text and said, and he said he killed Nate Robinson. He did. He you thought me. Nate Robinson actually died that I night? I
1: did. I did. I thought Nate had got killed or something. I'm like, man, what happened so to Nate? So sad for like five minutes. I was, and then I got a text back saying, oh, they saw the video. I'm like, oh yeah, he did go to sleep. He did. He did. He killed so it.
0: That's one of the funniest fucking stories I've ever heard. Pardon I'm cussing a lot today. I apologize to the mothers out there. I've had a long day. That's uh, all right. Kyle. So, anyway, but like that's, it's like you're disrespectfully digging up the corpse of boxing and just kicking it for fun.
1: Kyle, like, you can't be shocked by anything that goes on in 2021 nowadays. Just, and look, man, Jake Paul is going to continue to be able to make money what, off of And this they're going to continue
0: to monetize off of it
1: until somebody beats
0: him. But is this what the sport of boxing is going to be from now on?
1: As long as Snoop Dogg's calling it, I don't really care. I can't argue I'm with cool. That. I I'm can't cool.
0: But ar- like you're right, there was an entertainment factor to it. Yeah. Like you couldn't look away from it. There were celebrities everywhere. And, like Jake Paul seems like he might be a gigantic douchebag. I don't know. Uh, his brother's going to fight Floyd Mayweather. I don't think that's going to go well for him. No. Uh, so I might check that one out to see how quickly it's over uh, because that's somebody that Floyd Mayweather might be actually able to knock out for once, but that's probably going to end ugly. I just, I don't know. It feels like just disrespectful to boxing and to, you know, Sonny Liston and Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and uh, Rocky Marciano. and They all wouldn't that.
1: feel disrespected if they saw how much money these dudes were making. You think of- so?
0: No. Really? I mean You don't think they would see this Probably as a circus so Circus freak sideshow Probably so I mean look at the, Did they have celebrity boxing matches Back in the day Cause like, I, I don't even know But I'm like I mean
1: you're bringing in Like high, heavy hitters though man You got I mean Dana White wanted yo, know, when Snoop Dogg Tried to call out Dana White About betting him Like to uh, uh, Betting him on the thing Yeah And then Dana White was like Oh I got a million bins gonna drop uh, yeah. Jake Paul. And then Dana was like,
0: oh, I didn't – well, he didn't gamble. I didn't take his bet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Snoop was like, no, put two mil on it. We got a deal. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Dana was like, we did not gamble. <laughs> there was no off-the-books gambling taking place. Snoop, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, they, it was some side action. Of course there was some side I, action. My favorite part was when Snoop said, give me my motherfucking money, Jake. You know what I think about sometimes with Dana White, and I know we got to go. Sometimes I think about this because he's like a hard-ass dude from the streets of Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And he used to box a little bit. Now, I don't know exactly how – how in-depth his boxing background was but Dana White like relative to the average dude on the street is a pretty tough son of a bitch I agree you know and he works out and all that stuff but like he's the head of an organization full of people that would beat the shit out of him you know and he's just got so much swagger and he'll step right in the middle of two of those dudes to break up a fight at a a weigh-in or promotion like he's one of the most interesting people in sports
1: well I I think he's confident I think he understands he has a product and You got to give Dana White credit. Nobody's been able to sell a product quite as well as he has and be the face of it at the same time. Right? You know what I mean? He's not just behind closed doors, wheeling, dealing and stuff. He's right in the front of it. He's the face of it. That's why he stayed alongside to continue to promote it and grow this sport like no other, and uh, they did a really good job when the pandemic hit to kind of get their own little island, their own space, to continue to promote fighting and doing it safely. So for that alone, you got to give them credit. And they've been stiff on some things when it comes to their rules, the drug things, all those other things, they've been really harsh and they've been upfront about it. Now, should they pay their fighters more? I ain't in all that. But, I mean, when Uh... Dana White himself though, He's done a really great job.
0: I'm not well-versed on the economics of the UFC. They're well-versed enough to have a strong opinion on it. You know, I, I like seeing guys get paid. I want to get paid, you know, yeah. so, yeah, I want to see guys get paid, but I don't know the economics of that sport well enough to have a strong opinion, but nah, he's an interesting cat, man. He is, he is. He an is. interesting, interesting cat. Last thing, and then we got to roll. Did you watch any of Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy? No. I've seen clips. I don't know if he's good or not, I know a lot of people think that he's good. I don't really have a strong opinion about this either. Like I, I think my opinion of Aaron's a little bit colored from just watching Aaron the football player all these years and you know mm-hmm. how he can be kind of a kind of a jerk sometimes. And I don't mean that as a personal shot, but like on camera he has a very aloof, you know, don't really give a shit what you think about me kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. But in some ways he is kind of built for jeopardy and he apparently loves it. And yeah, he's I heard he loves awesome. it. And Well, none of that, but then they said he keeps
1: everywhere he goes, he can't stop talking about it.
0: Right, and so apparently this is what lights him up now, and he's got a new – what's his his fiance's name? The actress. Uh, Oh, that's going to bother me. I don't know. But no, he's living life. Like, things are going well in the Aaron Rodgers universe right now, so well that apparently – did you see how much they're willing to pay him? Green Bay's going to pay him. No, no, Jeopardy. I I, I saw a reported number, I think, and this – I don't know how well sourced this was, but somebody put it at $15 million a year. Oh, that is – To host Jeopardy. There we go. $15 million a year. Green Bay better get their mind right. You know how many – if I'm Aaron Rodgers, like, I get it. Like, they've pissed him (laughs) off. They drafted a quarterback in the first round. Like, I get it. You know, but you're not getting any younger. And if you want to load up for a Super Bowl run, you know, maybe don't chew up, like, 16% of the salary cap and take that Jeopardy money and play a few more seasons because he only has to work 42 days a year doing Jeopardy. That's it? They shoot – I didn't know this. They shoot six weeks a year. The whole year's worth of episodes get shot in, in a six-week time frame. Oh, that's easy. So he can make 15 mil a year, work six weeks or roughly that, six or seven weeks, and then go play football. Oh, you yeah. Know, Tom Brady had Giselle, you know, footing, you know, helping float for the Bills, and so you know, the Patriots didn't have to pay him as much money as the rest of the league. That's Aaron Rodgers' solution. Take that Jeopardy money and then go spend the money on some weapons. Load up Tampa Bay style. I hope he's listening, Kyle. He's probably not. <laughs> I doubt he is I wish he would We should get him on the show that would be a lot of fun Alright, I think that's a great place to end it, man Oh, by the way, good news uh, Made the step down Whitetail uh, Went from 18 milligrams to uh, 9 milligram packages or pouches nice. with, uh, with the nicotine
1: I'm, I told you, man I got that 275 up pretty easy Yeah, you did whitetail. Powered by
0: Whitetail We got the video online that, that, that rep at 275 Powered by Whitetail But yeah, made the step down 9 milligrams Still Slowly. running strong Slowly cutting it out, Kyle. Shout out to the boys up there in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to doing it all over again next week. Let's Let's do it, man. I'm hungry. All right, man, go eat, now I think I need to go stretch because I'm going to be sore. My back hurts, Roman. That was all bad bench press. I'm not posting that video of that failed rep. I'm not doing it. I I don't even want to catch shit for it. I'm not posting the video of the failed reps. They don't even ask me to. Next time, I'll get it, and we're posting that one. All right, we'll talk to you next time. For Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Work hard and be nice to each other.